This is The View from the Gladys Street, a podcast by the fans for the fans, as we go on the terraces to discuss all the big talking points at Everton Football Club. Hello and welcome to The View from the Gladys Street podcast. I'm Paul Wheelock and you've got me tonight because your regular host, Ian Kroll, has got his feet up at home before returning to work for day one of the Grand National. Not bad for some lads, is it? No, fair enough, yeah. <laughs> that's, that's the voice of John Howard. And we're also joined by Conor O'Neill. You okay, boys? Very well, thank you. We mentioned Ian's at the Grand National on uh, Thursday, but the only race we're bothered about on this podcast is the race for Europe because Everton are now very much back in the hunt for seventh place after what happened at the weekend. Uh, so to talk about the 2-0 win at West Ham and much more else besides. Uh, as I say, we're joined by two regulars, John and Connor. Start you both off, boys. Were you impressed by what you, you're seeing at the London Stadium on Saturday night? Yeah, absolutely, Paul. It was the best performance of the season so far. The most complete 90 minutes we've had under Marco Silva. And I think the only real gripe, if it could be a gripe that any of us could have, was that we did win by a much bigger margin. Because I think if we'd have won 5-0 on Saturday, no one could have complained because we really were that good. You know, we deserve it 1-0 up. Then we, you know, missed was a 3 or 4 real good chances. Eventually get a second. And... In Trevant styles, then that lingering doubt, thinking, "Oh, well, we, you know, we've seen this before." But then second half again, we come out, play really, really well. Because maybe we've got a couple more in the counter attack, the wrong option here and there, bit wasteful in front of goal. But no, definitely it was. Uh, it, I think what made it more, more special was that we we built on the the Chelsea win. I think so far this season we've, we've had really good performances and really good victories that we've never really backed them up. I mean, you know, you look back to Bournemouth where we'd be bombed for Goodison 2-0, weathered the storm in that game, come back, got a 2-0 win, and then back up the week later with a defeat of Southampton. Then got dumped out to the FA Cup a week after that. And you, you didn't want to go back, back down that road. You wanted to really see us kick on, you know, and and sort of put a bit of consistency together. And I think on Saturday we'd be done that from the... Where you think where we were, you know, half an hour into the Chelsea game, so where we finished at the London Stadium there in a space of three weeks. Well, it's obviously the international break. But... It, it was just a really positive, positive signs on Saturday, and you know, hopefully, hopefully, long may it continue. I can only build on what Connor's got to say. I think uh, someone put quite a, a decent tweet out because now social media can get a little bit toxic, lads. But uh, someone put a tweet out, you know, about Everton's inconsistency, saying if we can get the first half of Newcastle and the second half of Chelsea, we're going to do all right. And I think on Saturday we got that. That's a really direct you know, shot, yeah. build on. It was it was complete. You know, you go two 0 up at half time, and the amount of tweets. Oh, it's Newcastle revisit. Newcastle revisit. We come out, and as you say, the only gripe, which let's be honest, any football fan, if you the only gripe you've got is you're not banging in more, then you're doing something right, aren't you? I think every shirt to a man. I think everyone knew their job, you know, and there just seemed to be that suddenly that belief. You know, I've been on this podcast quite a number of times and I've always refused really to call Everton a team I think they're a talented bunch of individuals but you know what I'm beginning to see signs of a team now whether that can last I think Arsenal's a great test for us this coming Sunday but I think we're looking like a team I think everyone's knowing their job I think everyone more importantly is happy with their job and genuinely I think it's players who were now up before were maybe starting to I think now Bernard in particular is starting to show exactly why people talk about him the way they do. Dean has been incredible. You know, I thought Gomez, I mean, that that guy, he's like an artist on the pitch. He really, really is what he wants to do. I think Zoom is, was really powerful. And generally as a team, it was a brilliant team effort and a deserved win that really, well, comes to something when Fabianski is without doubt the man of the match. It's a good point, isn't it? I know the benefit of hindsight, but do you think that 17-day break, break we had between... Uh, it was the defeat too. It was it was Watford, wasn't it? And then yeah. the the first game back was Cardiff. We're really reaping the benefits of that now because it was quite key, wasn't it? At that mm. point, we were at pretty low ebb, you know. Yeah. Lose to Cardiff, and there was the fears they could even get dragged into something, you know, like that we no one wanted. But has Silver come up? Some say, you know, with what he's done in that kind of enforced layoff. I will. I think to me personally, you know, you don't know what goes on behind the scenes. I think there's been a little bit of soul searching, regrouping chatting stuff like because these are the same players but they aren't playing like the same players that were before and as I think they come back I think there has been a lot of chat and I think maybe 
Uh, they're seeing the plan a little bit more. I think maybe Brands and Silver have got their heads together and decided how we're going to move forward, who's going where, who knows, you know, the people now know what they're going to be part of and where they're going to be part of it. So I kind of agree with you, Paul. I think there's definitely has been a little bit of soul searching, a little bit of chatting. And, you know, we needed, in boxing terms, we were getting pounded. We were just coming back round after round, losing. We needed that little break, that little few seconds in the corner where... But I think they break away. Now, we've suddenly come back and I say we've looked like a more competitive outfit. We've had a few bumps along the road, but now we're looking at hard games as opportunities, whereas in the past it was going to be how many we're going to lose by. You know, Connor, you work in the media like myself, and I thought after uh, the West Ham game, everything I read, apart from the Echoes website and Everton fan sites, it was so focused on how poor West Ham were when, you know, I think anyone in Everton, Liverpool, any supporter of any club who watched that game would have placed Everton to the high heavens. Do you think we've not got the credit we've deserved? It's a tough one, isn't it? Because whenever stuff like that happens or gets said... Sometimes people get accused of giving them too much credit when it's not really due. You don't get. It's a tough one. I think that I think the whole West Ham thing is is a continued sort of circus almost, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. It's just been it's it's been a story for so long now, hasn't it? West Ham and the London Stadium and you know everything that goes with it. That I think it's almost now the sort of the easy, the easy way in to to analyze things and. Again, you know what? The weekend, I think Adam Jones was posted in 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 the air hole. The, the contrast of Arnautovic and Adrisa Gay. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, you know, I mean, that yeah. Was a, it was a good piece. That yeah. Uh, so again, I think it's one of them, isn't it? With West Ham, I think they're just the, the type of club who just always seem to be doing themselves no favors and always just seem to create their own downfall. And I think people prefer to pick up on that than often what what goes on on a football pitch. I think nowadays in, in the media, in some respects. It's probably more interesting what goes on off the pitch than he is on the pitch because from a from a, a media point of view, you've got to look at something more more that's not so evident. Mm-hmm. So we look at like on the pitch, well people would have watched it and said, Oh yeah, Everton were really good. So do you then go away and talk about that's the high heavens when everyone knows says, that already? Yeah, yeah. Or just try and look at a different angle and think, well actually no. You look at this at West Ham. This was the, you know, some of the stats. There was a couple of stats getting branded about both. It's the, the umpteen time that they've not scored a goal. You know, mm. so I think taking me media cap off. Sorry, put me media cap on. I think it's just looking at it from a different angle more than you know praising for the high heavens. But you look at everything in the past and and, and the media. It's, it's a love hate relationship, isn't it? Yeah. You look back at that time when. I think we were fifth. Oh, and he's, uh, and he's, done, he's done the graphic. Yeah. <laughs> he's done the graphic. And we were just, yeah. Yeah. He's, done, he's done the teams who could potentially finish in the top six. And even though we were fifth, we went on the graphic. And you're just thinking, you know, it's it's it's, it's a love eight relationship, I think, top isn't it? So it comes to top I, I, four, I don't think yeah. any Everton fan anywhere has any expectations of, of a lot of the, the national press anyway. So I, well, it doesn't surprise me. And I think it's better off if you go under the radar anyway, to be honest, because I think if you, you get too much in the spotlight, you look at AE Spurs, you know, people have been waxing lyrical about yeah. them all season. What have they done in the last couple of weeks? They've gone backwards massively, you know. I don't know, they were beating, Rob going off, off track, they were beating the weekend, but there's so many wrong things going wrong there. But yeah, if, you, if you've if read the national papers and then, yeah. and listened to the national media for the past six months, you think they were Barcelona at times. Yeah. You really would. So I wouldn't get it up or, you know, look too much into it. No, fair points, but we will uh, sing the praises of the Everton players, and one in particular, John, you mentioned him earlier, Bernard, you know, he got his first mm. goal for the club, I think it was his first, know, his first, prem, first Premier League goal for the club, and yeah, yeah his first, first shot, shot yeah. I'll tell you what, he's gone close enough to get on there, yeah. and a few crosses, yeah. hasn't he? Yeah. One in the derby, one against Chelsea, if uh, memory serves me correctly. Has he become, John, now one of the first names on the team sheet? I think so, yeah, I think Everton have a proud tradition of uh, your cult heroes, and they're not necessarily the ones who you know, win player this season, but there's just something about them kind of players. I mean, I never got to watch him, but I'm sure we've seen all the archives. Duncan McKenzie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, he was favorites, a guy. Yeah. yeah, I remember my dad used to say around and say to me, you'd pay the entrance for him, fee for him on your own. I do think Bernard's got a little bit of that about him. He, he is like a little magician. And you know what I like about him in the days where you're getting lads who were growing up and they're good, good at football and they're not necessarily six foot two and full of muscle. They can look at a player like Bernardo, you know, but like Pina, 
not very well built, but I'll tell you what, no one shakes him off the ball and he's starting to look, he's a Premier League player on merit, not because of physicality, because he has the mind to be that class Premier League player. He has that player, you know, Everton, we are the school of science, that's what we, you know, and we do love those little players who can unlock doors and stuff like that. I think when Bernard gets on the ball, you know, in a sort of different way to Richarlison, Richarlison maybe with the goals, but now when he gets on the ball, for me, I look at him and think, He's going to make something happen him, whether he gets the ball, you know, on the byline or he gets the ball in the left-back position. I just think there's something about Bernard. I think, go on, son, do something. Do something a little bit different. And more often than not, he, he does. And I think that cult hero status, I do think he's got that. I think he's like the next cult hero. Goodison, really, I do. If, if he can keep his feet on the ground and you hang on to him, I expect very big things from him in the coming weeks and next season. It's quite interesting, isn't it? Kind of like he's become like a, a fiction on that left side, but it means that Charleston, to be fair, has been played in so many different positions this season. He's started now more and more on the right. What's your reckon of that? Well, it's working, isn't it? So I don't, I don't think you could, you could honestly look at changing anything or moving anything around because we've struggled so so much for this season to get any kind consistency yeah. going forward, yeah. particularly think, in those wide areas. And I think at the well, minute, yeah. I think at the minute we're really, really, you know. Not luck, riding our luck. That that's probably the wrong way to look at it. But really, really, you know, riding high with the success of the a stable from four. And I think now you talk about Bernard, almost one of the first things on the team. I think the whole from four are probably the first, yeah. you know, on the team sheet now because, you know, okay, Calvert Lewin, he, he just lack a little bit of composure in front of goal and he can be a little bit wasteful, like we've all mm. seen. But he's got something about him. I mean, I really yeah. like him. I think he's got something about him. You know. He works hard. He puts a real shift in. Gilfie Sigerson is now finding the type of success that you would expect. Yeah, I expect him. That's one. And Richardson and Bernard have, have offered some kind of stability to in, in positions and areas that you know we've notoriously struggled so far this season. And I think now we're now on a whole, but we're really, really, you know, we look a confident side going forward now. When you look back to you know four six weeks ago, we we, we talk about you know we were critical. We didn't put more past them. We were talking then about how we were going to score a goal, let, let alone yeah. how we, yeah. let alone the fact that we weren't going to yeah. score. We could have scored five. We were yeah. saying, well, how are we going to score a goal? I don't get out. You know, I, I think back to like the Manchester City game, the, the midweek one, and that was a, a good spirited performance. And you know, we dug in deep and put a real shift in. Although yeah. we were beaten, but I remember thinking the next day, well, yeah, it was good, but we didn't create a clear cut chance yeah. there all game. You know, and if we can't create chances, we're not going to win many games. Yeah, exactly. Now, fast forward, you know, eight weeks, eight weeks on from that, six weeks on from that, we're now talking about the fact that we didn't mull the team and put far past yeah. them. So, the the changes is, is is rapid, and I think we're we're really now benefiting from that stable front four, and yeah. it's about time that we kind of got something moving in, in terms of the forward play forward areas. And I just hope that the the whole four of them stay fit for now to the end of the season, because I think with them in them positions, we could really really kick on. Yeah, it's interesting one. It's going right to one end of the pitch, but you, you know, to be fair, it's going right to the other end of the pitch, isn't it, John, with the, the defence? And I'm picking out a couple of players for plays here, but I just really want to do this, fella, because <clears throat> he's been uh, just the focus of so much debate this season, Seamus Coleman. But is it any coincidence that uh, in these last five games, when we've kept a clean sheet in four of them, the one when we didn't keep a clean sheet, the captain was missing at Newcastle, you know? What have you made of him of late? I don't think it's any coincidence at all, but I think you've hit on a very good point. I think we all love Seamus, but I think the general consensus was uh, he's passed his best season. But I think he he did an article, I don't know if you saw it, and he was like, you know, uh, again, very, very honest man. I think that's what people love about him. He, he plays from the heart, don't he? Everything about him is genuine. And he said, you know, people now when I have bad games blame me leg. It's not to do with me leg. He said, I had bad games before, no one mentioned me leg. I just haven't played well. And I think if you as a player, you can look at yourself and say that, then to me, you can only improve because he's looking genuinely at an, as, as objectively as you can and come back and play him. But, I mean, I think his running for Bernard's goal was excellent. And I, and I think as well, and I've said a lot about it, I think Everton have massively missed leaders. You know, Tim Cale's recently re- retired and I look at him and pine for the days of his leadership. As you know, Coleman's suddenly beginning to look like a leader again. He's the leader. Well, he's captain, so he has to be the leader. And I, I do think the team ethic will benefit greatly. Particularly, a lot of our players are young. These these aren't you know overly experienced, but they're still quite young. You know, and obviously he's twenty eight. What, what have you? But it's still quite a young team. Calvert Lewin's 
still very much finding his feet as a player. But I think to have that leadership, to have that vocal leadership to lead by example, not only I think Coleman's improved, I think he's improved that side of his game as well. And, well, the, the proof's in the pudding, isn't it? You know, 2 0 against Chelsea, a very commanding, dominating performance against West Ham. It's certainly something to build on, isn't it? Would we be harsh on him earlier this season? Even though he's admitting himself, I read that interview, I think it was Don yeah. King from the Mail, wasn't it? Yeah. fantastic, you know, but were we a bit harsh on him? You know, at the end of the day, he's a captain, probably one of the club's best ever value for money buys, and he's come back from a horrible injury. Um, very harsh on him. A little bit, maybe, but I don't think too much. I think in football, there's a problem and a tendency that you're never quite as good as what you made out to be and you're probably never quite as bad as what you made out to be. And I think Coleman fell into the, you know, the latter bracket, should we say, you know, he probably, he was poor and he was struggling, but he probably wasn't as bad as what we we all thought. Um, I just think with Seamus Coleman, he probably set the benchmark that high and the standards were that high that the natural dip in form Mm. and his loss of form all coincided in one. And from from seeing this, you know, rip-roaring, full throttle right back right wing back almost yeah. to the, the bloke who couldn't cross couldn't you know was struggling to get forward and look massively vulnerable defensively and maybe himself needs a little bit of time off the team to sort of go away regroup you know get back at it because I think it must be hard as a player when you know you're struggling yourself and week in week out you keep going back out there and probably he probably felt like every winger he come up against was a world beater. There were teams were targeting, weren't yeah, they? You know, you know, there's no doubt about that. And you come, against, you come up against, you know, wingers and he probably comes off the pitch thinking, well, you know, two years ago, three years ago, I probably would have had him in my back pocket, but yeah. yeah, I've just made them look like a world beater. And it must be tough. And mm. I think the big thing is the psychological, it's almost, you know, resurgence that, that Coleman showed because he has come back from it. He, he has sort of gone away, just himself down and come back. And again, he, you know, he looks rejuvenated and, Maybe a little bit as well. It's coincided a bit with your Walcott being taken off the team. Yeah. You know, was Walcott helping Coleman as much as probably what he needed to? Probably not. No, was he leaving him? You, you talked about he was getting targeted. Yeah. Was Seamus Coleman getting back when he was getting doubled up on down the right? So the, the opposition's left or right? Probably not. So that all that sort of work go, goes against you, doesn't it? And it's no surprise that since Richardson's gone out there, they've sort of kind of built up a bit of a relationship and. You know, hopefully, hopefully it'll be the start of a, a new Blossom wing partnership. What, what we've seen the Blues have so many of over the years. Do you think Kenny deserves a bit of credit as well? I think Seamus Coleman is a very, again, very objective. I think he relishes competition. I think John Joe Kenny, while he's not pulled up any trees, I think he's more than just the fact, the fact that he can mm. go and play a decent game. I think maybe Coleman's looked and thought, actually, this isn't a kid anymore. This is a maybe a viable option that someone can come in and, and do a job for them. I mean, I'd love John Joe Kenny to go and be the next Seamus Coleman, but he's certainly at the moment, I think justifying, you know, I think he's had a couple of very decent games. He's not let anyone down, you know, and I think maybe that, I think Coleman's looked and thought to himself, well, hang on, lads, I'm not quite finished here, so I need to up my game a little bit to keep this young buck out of the team. Mm-hmm. So I think maybe I, he deserves a little bit. Yeah, of I see what you're saying. I think, though, I think ultimately, though, I think at come the end of, or come the summer, sorry, I still think we will be looking to bring in a right back without doubt I, without I still doubt. think I know, I know people look at it and go oh Coleman's done well and yeah he has but for me I still think we'll be looking to bring in a right back in the summer almost like a Dean to, to Baines yeah. yeah and I think if that does happen I think unfortunately I think you might see John Joe can you leave the club yeah because see, yeah. you struggle to see them where you get yeah. because Coleman's still got years yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 you know you, you struggle to get two you're not going to get two right backs into one position you're not going to get three right backs into one no. position so and as a young lad He's probably going to do more harm than yeah. good playing third man fiddle yeah, exactly. to, to, to two right backs. And, you know, I, that is the thing that I still think we should be looking at bringing a right back in anyway. I don't think, you know, Coleman's t- upturning form. And while it's been great and stuff, we've, you've got, we've got to look forward now. We've got to move mm. forward. I think the, the problem with this club has been for too long is that we've either stood still or gone, and gone stale. We've kept people on. Bit sentimentality, yeah. You'd bit, you'd bit of that, yeah. It's a business, isn't it? You know, Coleman would be the first to say, wouldn't he? He'd be the first to say, Look, I've had me time and stuff like that. Yeah. It's not going to go away. And just, but I think he'd be for the good of the team. I think he'd happily take a step back, 
if it meant that, you know, Leighton Baines has done the same and he's been the model professional and when he's come in, has he let anyone down? Yeah. I think Coleman certainly embodies the same sort of answer that Baines does. Yeah, I just think we, we, we can't stand still no more. Yeah. I think we've stood still far too long yeah, in the without, past. Without shadow. And I think we need to move forward and by moving forward, you've got to, you know, Marcel Brands and Marco Silva are ultimately going to make very tough decisions. Some might see them as ruthless. Some might see them as being wrong. But if it means getting younger, fresher blood into the team to kick us on, then for me, it's a no-brainer. And ultimately, Coleman's being, you know, fantastic servants and you can never knock him. But come, come next season, would it be a little bit disappointed if he'd still be the only four back at the club, the right back at the club as first choice? I probably would be here. Because I think it's something that we need to start addressing now to move forward. I don't think that's unfair, though. I think I think that's you being an Evertonian. I think I don't think anyone, you know, it, as you say, it's nice to see, but this is a business, you know. And if I'd personally love the Palace lad, don't know if that's going to happen. But if it improves your side, you'll drop your favourite player, won't you? Yeah. Why not? I, I just think over the years we've been too guilty, haven't we? Have given. Yeah. You know, you look at like Tony Hibbert. Mm. There's, you know, being umpteen players have new been given one extra one year, the extra two years there. And you don't kick a ball in them two, and you're thinking, mm. well, what was the point in that? Yeah. You know, the Moyes club kind of. Yeah, you know, yeah. oh, yeah, but they've been loyal to us for they five years, six, six yeah. years, but no. And what? You know, who, who really, who really, really cares? You know, yeah, they've been well paid for six years, yeah. haven't they? Yeah. You know, yeah. you know, it's we need to move forward. We yeah. need to kick on. You know, the, the the thing in the Premier League now is you can't stand still. You know, under David Moyes, we got away a little bit because a lot of clubs were just content. We're staying in the division, happy where they were, and we kind of were content with the fact that we were always going to be the seventh best team in the yeah. league, maybe sixth on the odd occasion. Mm-hmm. Okay, I know we got fourth once, but that looks a bit of a fluke, like Leicester's championship win in some respects. I think we got a little bit of a run, didn't we? Yeah, and I think that now the Premier League, the way it's moved on, you only have to look at the teams around us. Leicester have come from Leicester have strung three wins together and are now above us. Yeah. You know. Couple weeks ago, they were they were the they were in the same position as Everton, mm. where it was yeah, people saying about Claude Pella, well, yeah. two more defeats and Leicester be the club nervous looking over the shoulder. Mm. You know, Palace could potentially put two wins together, and I think they 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 climb up the table as well. Yeah. Newcastle eleventh, you know, they were wrote off at Christmas almost down yeah, there. So they were going to go, weren't they? Yeah. You know, you've got to kick on now, and you've got to move on in the Premier League. You've got to you've got to keep striving yeah. to improve, and the right back position ultimately is one where we need to improve, yeah. and that's why. It's an, it'll be inevitable, I think, that we'll bring someone in the summer. Interesting stuff. I think if anyone's read uh, the interview with Marshall Brands on the Echo website, it, it, I think it proves beyond all yeah. doubts that he's got a man with yeah. a plan, doesn't he? I yeah. don't think we'll be going into this Sanse no. window uh, blind. I think no. he'll know exactly what he wants. But M- M- Mache said it himself, didn't he? Sorry, Paul. A couple of years ago, DJ Emery said we can't become a museum almost. Yeah. And the one thing that was with the Steve Walsh, you know, Signings under specifically mm. some other you, you see your war cuts and that that kind of doesn't move on from that because we're just we just we're just signing we're just in the same position. Old has been years, Premier League yeah, Premier players who are going to come in right. yeah. for a yeah. couple of more years and then they'll leave. You know we need to start bringing fresh young you know yeah. talent into the ranks who can kick us on and take us to the next level. The view from the Gladys Street podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The view from the Gladys Street podcast from the Liverpool Echo. Interesting stuff. Two such players, uh, Andre Gomez, who you mentioned was magnificent against West Ham and Kurt Zuma, who opened the scoring fine header. Both on loan, you know, I think it's fair to say the club and fans want to keep them. But, you know, if the price is north of 50 million, 60, you know, 60, 70 million for the two of them, what do you reckon, lads? Would you be willing to pay that kind of money given the fact that, you know, again, this summer there's going to have to be a bit of balance in the books? Well, you're talking about paying, what, 50, 60 million? And essentially, not really improving your team because of there anyway. It's it's a difficult one. I mean, let's take Gomez first. I've seen thirty million. I think Connie was saying you've seen forty mm. million. He's a wonderful, wonderful player. He really is. A, a, I think he's a real Rolls Royce. Thirty million. Yeah, I'd probably pay that. Forty million. I, I don't know. I think it depends really how much Brands and Silver are going to be given. I personally don't think it's going to be a king's ransom. I really don't think. I, th- I think the focus is we're looking at younger players. That's to me saying, well, you know what, guys, we're going to build for the future. You just give us a couple of seasons, and you know, in time, when this side develops, expect big things. I don't think. I think we've tried the scattergun approach. 
you know, look at Cumin and, and uh, well, we've got a problem here. What should we do? Let's buy another number 10. I think we ended up with about 56 of them. Uh, I, I think those days, I think Moshiri's lens is lessened very, very quickly. I think this brand has been brought in as a director of football. This is your job. This is what you're going to do. And he wants to do it. Uh, the two lads have done nothing wrong, I was saying before, on a personal level. Uh, as an Evertonian and as a father of a three-year-old, having a player like Zuma, who shares his name, one of the Paw Patrol, <laughs> it would be easy to recruit my daughter to be an Everton fan. So I'm um, on a personal level, I hope he stays. But I think with Zuma, you know, I think with Chelsea maybe doing a strat, they're going to want a real hefty amount. And Mina, I don't know, what, is he going to sort his injury pr- uh, problems out? Mason Holgate's coming back. We don't know what, you know, he's certainly doing well. So I don't know, with Zuma... Probably low to pay 20, 25, you know, 20, 25 million, yeah, probably, but I think you're looking up towards 30, 40. I'm not sure. I, I don't want generally think he's worth it, lads. I really don't. Yeah, I, I, I'm of the belief of John. Um, I think a lot depends on, on the, the, the price. I personally don't think we'll get Zuma because of the incoming transfer or the, the incoming brackets pending transfer ban that yeah. could potentially hit Chelsea because it all seems very confusing at the minute doesn't yeah, it yeah. <laughs> you, it's, it's one of them where you kind of read thinking well I've got a lot of degree so I'm not really sure yeah, yeah. no 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 and then I was saying that there's, there's clause that they, they, they think that they so it still seems to be a bit of a minefield in terms of what's going to actually happen watch this space yeah, yeah. so I'm not too convinced on the Zuma thing anyway I think from a Marcel Brands Marcel Silver point of view I think they'll be desperate to get him in because I don't think Yeri Mina's filled them with much confidence so far this season. In the, not in his performance, it's more in the sense that he can't stay fit. He, he can't get himself in the, a consistent run of teams. He's injured again. It seems as though he disobeyed Silver and the club's orders by going on international duty and playing two games in. It was it five days he played yeah. and yeah. They, they told him to only play with at least one and he played in both and come back with another apparent knock. Um, so for me, there's, there's something certainly going on there. Um, and I just think with Andre Gomez, yeah, it's vital that we keep him because he's been so much instrumental and everything that's been good so far this year. But for 40 million, do I expect a little bit more? Probably, yeah. I think he's, he's, he has a Rolls Royce for centre midfield. He's fantastic on the ball. But you've got to have a little bit more than that. I think if you're going to cost 40 to 50 million, he's has to have more goals to his game potentially. You know, don't forget, this is a a, a, a lad who went missing almost post Christmas. You know, he, he struggled, didn't he? he? Was in not the team. He couldn't really. He didn't really look like he was at the races in a lot of the games. And for me, I just think for that type of money, you've got to have a lot more than just what Gomez is doing right now. Yeah, he's neat and tidy. Yeah, he's he, he he keeps the ball. He moves. He dictates play. But you want to see that little bit of explosion, that little bit of you know a third man runs the box couple of shots from distance, you know, that type of thing. And for 40 million, that's what, 40 to 50 million, that, that's certainly what I'd be expecting. Yeah. But you do wonder a little bit where I'm feel potentially in the summer if Idris goes. I know he, he's, there was rumour quotes, well, there was quotes that he reports, he said that he still holds the ambition to go to PSG in the summer. Understandable, understandable. Yeah, it's, still his, it's still his dream to play, you know, Champions League football. You probably think that, the summer, the club will be a little bit more willing to do business, and, and particularly though, given the way he's responded to that yeah, kind of knockback. Yeah, as well. you know, you probably think that. I think, in some respects, the run we were on at the time in January, the fact that we're a, we're a better team with him and we're out here, yeah. the fact that we wouldn't have been able to bring anyone in. Yeah, exactly. I think all, all that kind of meant that the club were backed into a corner where they couldn't do any type of business mm. or sell them because they knew the backlash would be would be fierce. Um, but I think in the summer it'll be a different ball game. I think yeah. so. It is a little bit worrying in the sense that if we don't get a deal over the line for Gomez and we address the guy leaves the club, all of a sudden that that sort of middle two that's been instrumental in a lot of what we've been good at so far this season, yeah. if we're being honest, is no longer at the club. Mm. And you're then thinking, well, okay, well, who's already in the ranks who could potentially step up? What's well, Tom Davis, Morgan Schneiderlin, James McCarthy? The first two, I don't think I've got... Mm, Many uh, a future to club anyway, personally. Um, so I think Shadlin will be one of the ones who they'll try yeah. and cash in on. It doesn't really feel much confidence anyway, does it? If you were to turn around and say, Well, next year we're not going to have Andre Gomez or uh, yeah, just going to we'll, we'll have Morgan Schneiderlin there with A another. Mm. You certainly would be thinking, Oh, well, that's us potentially closing the gap on, on the top yeah, exactly. six. Um, so I think it's a, it's a big 
it's a big in, it's going to be a big interesting summer for, for Everton to see what way we go because I agree with John I don't think he's going to be loads of money around and I think a little a little bit of me inside thinks that we might sell Adrissa Garnagay to fund the Gomez deal yeah. if I'm being honest I think the club might might accept losing one if it means keeping the other yeah. to ensure they don't end up losing both it probably that brings me to my next question that because I think I think you're absolutely spot on lads I think with with Gomez and Zuma, if a deal could be done, I'm, I'm sure the club would do it because we know the good performance. Mm. And I'm, I'm with you, Connor. I think with Gomez, there's more to come. Like in the second half against Chelsea, he was having shots, wasn't he? That yeah. goal against Wolves at yeah. home, he's clearly got it in him. Just needs to bring it out a bit more. Yeah. But you, if he, he's a player, there's no question about it. But say then, yeah, we do get them for 60 million. There's still a right back, a striker, it's, and probably yeah. another winger to be brought in. And unless Machiri surprises us all, which he's done in the past, and goes... There you go, Marcel, Marco, here's another 70, 80 million. Go get your need. We're going to have to, to sell players and in a fancy football land, you know, we'd sell McCarthy, Bessic, Sanzo, <laughs> you know, Balassi and bring Lorales. in 60, 80 yeah, million. Yeah. And, but it's not going to happen, is no, it? Like, no. Let's face it, they'll I be mean, out on loan. Struggle to give Martina away, won't we? Sorry, mate. But no, but that, that's, that's the thing. So yeah. it kind of, that, that coming round, going a long way round. So it's my next question there. If it's not a guy... Is there any player in the squad, if a big money offer came in for, you'd reluctantly let him go? I know there's been links well, with Keane I, I, and, and I, Tottenham and Arsenal yeah. this week. You know, if someone come in for a 50 million for, for Keane or 70 million for Richardson, is this something perhaps over these next couple of years we might have to get used to, like every season, a, a good player going to keep on renewing and rebuilding yeah, the squad? I, I know what you're saying. and I think that the difficult thing is, is that every week someone a priority gets added to the list, doesn't it? I mean, mm. it was only two weeks ago, three weeks ago now, we were talking about the need to, I mean, he's the person, a good goal, a good backup goalkeeper. Who could come in and challenge Jordan Pickford? Obviously, the, the centre-forward one needs addressing massively, yeah. first and foremost, because um, we, we can't, we can't afford not to bring someone in, yeah. in, in that area. Yeah, um, we've got, we've got, I mean, especially if you look at it in, in the sense of, you know, Umani Asses, his time is clearly up at the club. Yeah. Shank Tolson's time was probably up in January, but he didn't want to leave, so <laughs> the club were, were forced to stick with him in, in some respects. Um, again, I like really like Dominic Calvert Lewin, but again, if you're going into the season with just him as the focal number nine, you'd be worried. Of course. You, you'd be worried because if he gets a knock, you know, mm. where are we going to go? And I, I think that the big £50 million pounds players, and, uh, et cetera, of what we've got, I don't really think we've got that much in terms of talented backs in our ranks. If, I, if I'm being honest, I think, you know, you look back at maybe September, you've obviously said Richarlison could be worth 60 to sixty to 70 million the way he was playing then. Now you're probably saying, oh, well, he's, he's kind of, he's he's, he's what a lot of Watford fans said we were getting when we first signed him. Or you'll see moments of pure, brilli- pure, br- yeah. pure brilliance, but then you'll also see a, an amount of moments where you'll think, does he even want to be here? Is he? And I think we have seen that. But, you know, I think t- in terms of losing players, that's just football, isn't it? I think that the best, that you know, you look at the way, for me, after Ronaldo left Real Madrid in the summer to go to Juventus, it proved that any football transfer in, in any transfer in football is possible because you would never have imagined Real Madrid would let Ronaldo leave mm. the way they did to go to another, another rival European club. Um, but they did because they, obviously the, the offer was too good to turn down and I think you know as Evertonians we've almost experienced that before any other club in some respects because that was happening to us 15 years ago you know you look back at the David Moyes era you know there wasn't a summer where we didn't lose our best player or our best player was subject to Wayne Rooney to, to, I mean, to numerous things was it you know Wayne Rooney even, yeah he'd barely even come out and happies do you know what I mean and, and he's playing for Everton and suddenly Man United won him don't they Man yeah. United get him you know then no. you know even look from that you know Stephen Pienaar yeah. John Stones yeah. um, Lukaku even Lukaku yeah. you know example. yeah it was, was, yeah. Was, was a massive one so we've almost been used you know you see like Liverpool fans with Suarez when in the end the club they made us enough that like you know we couldn't turn the hand he wants to go the same with Coutinho yeah. I was sort of saying to my Liverpool mates who back up well 
that's been happening for us for 15 years, yeah. you know. We've had that for years, yeah. you know. It's nothing new. They were making up that was like, oh, we're the first club we've ever had to start doing this. Like, well, no, every club's had to do it. We were one of the first at Everton. It's just, every, that's every, just football, you know. Every club's a selling club, aren't they? Yeah, you know. You, you know what I mean? I mean, Man U, people say the biggest club. Well, that's Ronaldo because he wants the selling club. Yeah. Real Madrid have decided, you know what, we want out Ronaldo as they to another European rival. But I said, you know, it's what you do, isn't it? I mean, Neymar didn't really see him leaving. No. Uh, but, you know, there he is playing to save a PSG. So, geez, what are you about Dina? A big, a big <sighs> that, that's that's what I was trying to kind of probably see, get I, to. I think he's the player that could command a massive fee. I really yeah, do. It, 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 you look at him and people are talking about him. I think there was a story today, wasn't he? He's like in the top 10 and Premier League, you know, providers. Oh, it's like stats yeah. are excellent, aren't they? And then... That, that's what I mean but mm. you know that's what I'm trying to I was trying to say with that question it's almost something we have to get used to if if mm. this Marcel Brand's philosophy is going to be bring him in young or bring him in like Dean he's 24, 25 yeah. who, who had not a bad time at Barcelona but wasn't Outcasted playing yeah, yeah yeah you yeah. know you have to you have to play smart in the market whereas yeah you might get him for a season or two but if they light up the Premier League you might have to lose them in a yeah. way but yeah is that a bad thing? You know, or is mm-hmm. because I know as Evertonians we want to keep our best players. Yeah. Well, we? I, th- I think it's it's it depends in the context, doesn't it? Because I think if you know if we were to lose, say Luca Dean, but we had someone at left back who was in the already in the ranks who could come in yeah, and fill the void. It's what you can bring you know, in, isn't it? What we can't yeah. afford is like what we've done with Lukaku almost. But yeah, we sold Lukaku for seventy five million. Some say we we got too much. Some say we got too little. Yeah. You know. We never ever replaced them. We still haven't replaced them now. No. We're still working out how we're still going to score goals without them yeah. in the team. Um, and that's what we can't afford to go down the road. Or we can't afford to revisit that way. Yeah. You lose a massive... Someone who's so big and influential in your team that you take them out. Yeah. And it's almost like, well, who's going to step in and fill that breach? And, mm. you know, in the end, we ended up going down the road where we tried to sign umpteen number 10s mm. in hope that they could all get the, the 12 to 15 goals a season yeah. that they had done. And if all three of them got a consistent run of games and all got 12 to 15 goals, well, that would replace Lukaku's goals. Yeah. It clearly didn't work out like that. It, exactly. didn't work, it didn't work like that. And we're still paying the price now for Lukaku's departure because, you know, just you look back on Sunday there, Saturday, sorry, Saturday evening, Lukaku would have got two. If, if we're being honest, yeah, because they, they, they were the type of game where he always scored, yeah. didn't he? I love scoring against West Ham. I mean, I think someone saying around he could get it. Lukaku could play with Ebola. Yeah. He'd score against West yeah. Ham. The West Ham fans literally would say, well, we're going to have to score two to beat you because we know Lukaku's scoring against us. Yeah. This wasn't something like 10 straight games he scored against them. It was just West Ham was his team. But it? I mean, like the context of playing a, oh, God, a yeah, team yeah. who's blows in the table, mm. you know, balls going into the box. They were the, they were the type of games Lukaku really thrived on, didn't he? Yeah, he, he got was goals. A bully, wasn't he? He, he was got goals. Yeah. Goals and two, three goals, as you say. That that's what yeah. his numbers up, wasn't it? And, and I just think that you, you look, at, yeah. you look now. We can't afford to go back into that mode of no. where we lose key influential figures. Almost, I mean, and to be fair, up until that point, we kind of got away with it a little bit because you know, even like we lost John Stones, who's, who's a fabulous talent, but we brought in Ashley Williams. I don't know, Ashley Williams enjoyed a torrid, torrid time last season. But in his first season with the club, he, he was did, okay. He didn't he? do that yeah. bad. He, you know, he, he, so we kind of got away with it a little bit in that like way. A player, didn't he? Yeah, you know. You know. We, so we, when we've lost players in the past, we've kind of when we lost Rooney, we got away with it because like Tim Cale come in, we yeah. ended up bringing Arteta in. So we, we kind of were able to go. But Lukaku's a big one, and mm. I think going back to your original question, yeah. we can't get into that void. So we could potentially cash in. Mm. You know, say for instance, a year down the line. You know, while Virginia used to under twenty three goals, really highly thought of, impresses week after week with a string of him is impressed week in week with a you know a string of impressive displays. If he's really knocking on the door at that point to take the number one jersey, and you know, and when United come in with sixty million for Pickford, then yet you could potentially see the thing. Obviously, well, with that seventy million in the bank, and we've got this kid here who's really, really a hot prospect who's on a long term deal with us. Who we've got no hesitation in putting in. Then yeah, you know you could see us doing that that type of business and fans accepting it, but we can't have it where you lose your best. Like I say, yeah. we could lose a dress again again Andre Gomez this summer. Who fills that void then? Exactly. Yeah. And John, I don't know about you, mate, but certainly reading the brand stuff again this week filled me with confidence that if the worst was to happen mm. and Pickford was to go in a year's time or yeah. someone came in the next couple of seasons for Dean. Brands, it, it's not Steve Walsh this, and I don't mean to mm-hmm. pick well, Steve right, out. Though, it's not Walsh and Koeman. He's Koeman, a scout who's employed as a director yeah. of football, wasn't he? You know. No, I, I, I couldn't disagree with you. I mean, I don't... 
I look at Brandon, I don't see anything. He doesn't seem to do anything by accident, does he? It's almost like he's budgeting and planning for everything. You know, you know, he's the kind of man, while we're all celebrating a win against West Ham, he's thinking about well, what about when we're playing West Ham next season? What about when we're doing this to doing that? Personally, I know it's the same we said before, in brands we trust. You know, and I do genuinely believe Evan are now walking in. You know, whether you're in the silver camp or not in the silver camp, Silver's Machiri's man and, he's, and Brands is, is certainly building that around Marco Silva. And as you say, reading it, and I've read it a couple of times now, Paul, I, I've, I've not, I'm filled with nothing but confidence. I think there is, a, you know, even, and I've said before about leaders and stuff like that, I think Brands is well aware of that. And, you know, people say, oh, you need to buy an older player for the lead. Kevin Ratcliffe was 23 when he became captain. So maybe he does have, you know, something on his mind or someone out there thinking, yeah, he's going to fill that void. For me personally, I don't think we'll be, if I'm wrong, I'll whole humb humbly apologise, but I don't think we're going to be in this going into the next season thinking, oh, we really haven't filled that void. I, I really believe Brands will get it right for us. I, I think first. the big thing with, with Brands as well is that his background, he's almost yeah. used to the kind of wheeling and dealing. Mm. You know, Dutch football, you know, I've read a lot of Edwin van der Sar's stuff with Ajax and you know, PSV of, of Simrilk where it's almost like they set out to develop talents, nurture them, give them a first team opportunity and then just wait for the big money offers to come in and then to sell it's them on, you know, yeah. yeah. You know, it's, you look at the lads, is it De Jong, who's at Ajax now, who's going to Barcelona, who's already signed for Barcelona, who's going to summer. Oh, yeah. For 60, 70 million. Yeah. And he was the, he's just the latest one off the production line almost. And I think that kind of experience will help brands because it's not like we've gone out there and poached, you know, Barcelona's former sporting director, for instance, brought him in. And then when we sell our best player because we get a two, and he's sitting there going, well, this has never happened to me this before. I've never been in a situation where, you know, we sell our best player because, you know, at Barcelona, we, no one ever wants to leave. Whereas with Brands, it's almost like he's, he knows how to, how it goes and how it works. And he's, it's almost probably second nature to him, the whole, you know, you get a, a, a young, someone in, develop them, nurture them, improve them, give them an opportunity, and then wait for the big money to come in, sell them on, and then the next one comes along then. and I think that'll really help yeah. the a, production line at the club. He's a businessman, and he he's a businessman with a knowledge of football. And football's a business nowadays. Yeah. You know, I, I love those videos where he's giving everyone you know the high five and shaking hands. But first, first and foremost, Brandon's the baller. His demeanour. He's a businessman. He's the kind of person you you know he's gonna have full grasp of the books, but also have that knowledge about what's gonna fit best on the pitch. And and for me, it, it, it's almost like. You know, he's going to be Mercedes' golden egg for me. He really is. And I think in brands we have, I keep saying it, I think we've got a guy who's steering us into a very, very, you know, steering a very, very comfortable Everton ship there. He's definitely the man overseeing uh, recruitments. Do you think, to bring it back to the football a little bit, the Europa League is a big draw for possible targets? You know, you know, sometimes as Evertonians, are we a bit down on the Europa League, particularly after what happened with... Cumin in his last season in charge, but you know this is European football. Top, top, top teams will be playing um, in it. Do I think it will attract us players? Probably not. No, I think if we're being honest, probably not. I think players nowadays tend to look at the Premier League as the golden egg, isn't it? Which it is now. There's no doubt in that. The wages, obviously, are a big one, aren't they? Especially the, the lads from Europe who who, who who comes to Premier League. That you see some of the hikes that they get in, in the wages, and it's no names mentioned. Sanzo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I was going to, I was going to drop him in, yeah. but yeah. How much are you going to get for him? Like? A, a, a prime example. Who yeah. probably was probably on just about two figures in Spain. Yeah. And all of us went from just about two figures to a whopping three figures. Some in the yeah. space of you know a week, probably. Yeah. Um, so I don't think it's got that much attraction to it. But for me personally, I think we should be going all out to get in the Europa League. I really, really do. I think it's a fantastic competition. That real has real rewards. And I think, we're, we're as Evertonians, it, well, my, my, my take on it is that we're judging it solely off the Ronald Koeman reign, yeah. which I think is, is wrong to do because everything Koeman done in them four months he was of the season was disastrous. You know, it wasn't like, oh, well, the Premier League form suffered because of the Europa League. The Premier League suffered because we were <laughs> badly managed. We we, we, had, we we had any set formation. Yeah. We had a lopsided team. Some of the friendlies as well. I mean, what was yeah. all that about? We had, we had a manager who, who'd obviously give up by the by the time, certainly by the time the Arsenal game, the Arsenal game come around. Um, 
So I, I think it's it's wrong and harsh to kind of say, oh, well, it was a real, real, you know, it's a real bad competition to be in because of Ronald Koeman's reign. Well, nothing worked well of Ronald Koeman's reign, if, you know, if we're being honest. I think even under David Unsworth in the competition, yet we've struggled. But you look at the moves and the, the, the you know, around the club at that point when Unsworth come in, the Atalanta game, the Lyon game. Everyone was on the floor, wasn't they? Everyone give up. People, yeah. people give up, hadn't they? You know, yeah. we, fans were going to games like you said there, John. Earlier, fans were going to games thinking we're going to get we're going to get beat. How many? It's just a question yeah. of how many today, you know. And I think you shouldn't judge it. I mean, certainly for me, some of the best nights I've experienced at Goodison in recent years were actually in the away for Cup under David Moyers. You know, you look back at the Florentina. Okay, we, we crashed out. On penalties, but what a night that was! It's a, it's a nice you know, talk about certainly with a yeah, certain you know, generation. You know, one there's, the there's, there's people I know who, who were going to the game in the eighties and yeah. were at Bayern Munich, and mm-hmm. although it wasn't on that level, it said that was the closest time he'd been remembered to something like that. Yeah. You know, for me, it was on par a little bit in terms of the Man United game and Ferguson scores in 0405. The difference that being was that that night you left Goodison Park. Absolutely bouncing because you knew we were pretty much going to get fourth place. Yeah, that was the this one. This time round, you left it distraught thinking what could have been. Um, so yeah, for me, I think it's a competition we should be looking to get in. I think it's it's a really good competition to be in. I think the way it works now with the group games, etc., yeah. is really good. And you know, I'd love I'd love us to be in it next year. I really, really would. I, I don't honestly don't understand the gripes people have in it and saying no, no, we should you know we should do everything not to get in yeah. it. I think that's totally the wrong attitude to have. And, you know, ultimately, I know it's it's a bit far fetched and what have you, but if we were to win it, win a Champions League. Well, exactly. I mean, you look at the two English clubs left in it. They're not, you know, they're Arsenal and Chelsea, both Premier League winners. Mm. You know, both considered big clubs. Both of this guy's darling top six, aren't they? And they're still going for it. I mean, you got Arsenal pulled a comeback against Wren. Yeah. You know, three Chelsea, one down. They, they, exactly. Yeah. So they're certainly taking it seriously. Chelsea, you know, this wasn't long ago Chelsea were winning the Premier League. They're taking it seriously. I think as Everton Football Club, we've got a duty to go for European football. So, oh, there's loads of games. Well, you build your squad for that. Yeah. You, and that's what you do. You know, when you think about it, I mean, Liverpool have been incredibly successful as have United. Chelsea have had a lot of European. Not many English teams have European trophies. We have mm. one. You know, and okay, I know obviously the the ban still rankles with a lot of blues, and and and, and but that ended in nineteen ninety. Wouldn't it be nice? You know, I mean, I I can remember ninety five. You know, that was a cracking little European run. Okay, I know it ended the final, but we got a good few games in there. You know, and and Fiorentina. I mean, that's hairs on the back of your neck, and everyone forgets that Europa League competition. We were the only team to beat the winners. Yeah, we turned yeah, up yeah. as an yeah. 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 another night. People, a bit more you know, luck against Fiorentina. People you know. forget that you know, a couple of teams. I think we would have played Rangers. Would have, yeah. we could have in, in the next. The final. In, no, no, we would have played Rangers next. Oh, would we? have been Rangers next. We would have played yeah. Rangers next, and the, the finals at the Etihad. And I just, I agree with you. I just yeah. think we should be. We should be, we should we should be, be relishing yeah. these European nights. You know, if we're going to be taking seriously. Let's be honest. The success of Everton Football Club. Three teams have won more league titles. We should be relishing Europe. If we can get it. Let's get it. And, and, and as Connor says, you know, if we could win it. Okay, it's probably it's a massive, massive ask. It's a place in the Champions League, but also as well, isn't another chance to play for that trophy? That let's be honest, young Evertonians and even older Evertonians have massively been starved that over these years. You know, whatever mm. football club, I thought we should have at the very least be competitive. Well said. To get into Europe, obviously, Everton have to finish seventh. Hope Man City win the uh, the FA Cup. Uh, Wolves and Watford both won last night. Yeah. We're recording this on on Wednesday, uh, so they're in the driving seat again. Yeah. But of course, they're not playing this weekend because they're both in the cup semi final against each other. Fixes against Arsenal really closed the gap on them again. A few weeks ago, I, I said this to you, John, before we started. And I was probably looking at the Arsenal and United yeah. and Chelsea games, going, "Whoa, it's going to be tough." Now I'm going into Sunday thinking this is very, very winnable. Is, am I, are these couple of wins gone to my head or are you guys the same? I, I have to agree. This is Goodison Park, isn't it? The the atmosphere, the belief seems to be, well, why shouldn't we be bringing teams? And, you know, I can remember under Martinez's first season, smashed Arsenal 3-0. And Arsenal's always been the one for me because... If we're ever going to get spanked, we seem to be get spanked royally by them. They don't just put two and three past they tend to put five past us. Also, look early in the season, I'm not saying about the referees, we owe Arsenal one massively. Because let's be honest, Calvert-Lewin sticks that one away early on. 
some awful, awful officiating. I mean, it, you know, Stevie Wonder just busted that offside. <laughs> oh, the second one, you know, and, and you're thinking, wow, you know. So let's let's have Arsenal at Sunday. And let them let them fight. Well, we'll make them fight our fight, and why not? And, and you know, whether we get your opener, let's let's finish this season on a high. You know, this is how many clean sheets I think four in the last five. We've put back to back wins there for the first time. Why can't we make it three wins on the bounce? Why can't we? You know, we did that Chelsea. I think that was the first result against the top four side since Jelovic scored. Top, no, it was the, the first top six. First time we beat a team in the top six since we stuck four past City. Yes. Um, when Guardiola's go. first season. Yeah. The Tom Davis game. Yeah. yeah. That goal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, see, see, there, see, there you go. You know, you're looking at that and, uh, and why can't we go and scalp another side? Where do you will win against Arsenal? I really believe that. So, they're coming here. They're going to have, well, they're going to have probably eyes on the Champions League but they'll also have eyes on Europe they'll be fancying a Europa League final and who can blame them so why can't we catch them cold you know why can't if we, we hit them the way we hit West Ham or the way we hit Chelsea second half we can rattle that team because Arsenal are good they ain't that great yeah I agree Paul um, I'm actually on holiday this weekend so I'm not yeah. going to be there I'm away I'm watching a better match aren't you yeah well hopefully um, <laughs> but I, I, I was when I was knew I was going to miss it well, three scores thinking, oh, well, I made up on my old now because, you know, I'm not going to miss nothing there. And I might just be more, loads of moaning blues and yeah. for a Sunday where, yeah. where everyone's got an hangover. Yeah. But now I'm now it's actually come around, so I'm a bit disappointed I'm not going to be there because I've got a sneaking feeling that we'll be in. Sunday, I think we'll, we'll put one over on them. And um, I think that ultimately these are a team that can, they're, they're in great form. And I think, yeah, you know, Unai Emery's done a fantastic job there. Yeah. A fantastic job. I mean, their squad is the worst of the top six, in my opinion. The worst. Um, so the fact he's got them into third, the way he has, is, phenom- is phenomenal, really. But I still agree with John. I think they're there to be got at. And I think if we can get at them, get up, get up with them, you know, be on it from the first whistle, not let them dictate the play and get on the ball and you know do what we've seen Arsenal teams do to us in the past where they plays off the pitch. We get in the face and stop them and play with the aggressive type of tone that we did against Chelsea in the second half. I think we could, we could easily beat them. On um, on on Sunday, and I think it'd be fan- it'd be massive for Silver if he can get two wins. If he, can get, he gets he gets victories over Chelsea and Arsenal alone, massive going into Man United as well in two weeks' time. Because, like you said earlier in the show, you look back to that Cardiff game after the break, and you know there was a lot of people feeling, and I was one of them thinking, "Well, defeat to Cardiff and an absolute drop on by Liverpool, uh, it could be curtains for him." This, you know, it could be at the point of no return. The fact that he could potentially get a scalp over Arsenal after beating Chelsea, going to West Ham winning so comfortably, it'd be massive. And I think it, it would give them real, real momentum towards to kick on to the end of the season. Definitely. So, probably final question, predictions. I think I know what you're both going to go for. What is the scoreline? 2-1, Everton. Well, he said 2-1, so I'll go 3-2. I'm going to go 2-0. This is yeah. a clean sheet. Clean sheet, yeah. yeah. We love, we love a clean sheet at Everton. Well, we do now. <laughs> Fingers crossed. Uh, we'll be reflecting on the Arsenal game in next week's View from the Gladys Street podcast with Ian, hopefully. <laughs> Unless he calls if he decides on me. to come in. Yeah, if he decides to come in. Yeah, he's but picked you know, the first four winners. You might never <laughs> see him again, might yeah. you know, He might be off, yeah. Ready yeah. to. But, you know, uh, I've really enjoyed standing in for him. Enjoy speaking to you boys and listening to you. Great stuff. Thanks very much for joining us. Cheers, Paul. Thank you, Paul. You've been listening to The View from the Gladys Street podcast from the Liverpool Echo.